Jordan Ferran Sapsis, collective member of Kansas Mutual Aid. Thank you very much for joining us here at Lawrence.com. Uh, first of all, what exactly is Kansas Mutual Aid, KMA for short? Um, KMA is a collective here in Lawrence that started a little over four years ago. Um, we're a grassroots organization that does different community community events and community projects. We run a community garden. We ran Food Not Banks for a really long time. Um, we organize anti-war protests. We do support for incarcerated folks all across the country, um, that kind of stuff. And we'll talk specifically about your activities of late uh, in regards to the tornado in Greensburg, Kansas. You went down there, um, was it a few weeks ago? The first group went down three weekends ago. Three weekends ago. Why did you feel the need for KMA to go to Greensburg? I mean, FEMA and the National Guard, Red Cross and Salvation Army were already there. Why did you think that a group of uh, Lawrence Collective anarchists would be needed down there? Um, well, the first trip was more exploratory. The, more, the first trip was really to go down because most of us um, felt the need to volunteer our time and volunteer our efforts. And the first trip that people took that I wasn't personally on, people went down to really find out whether we were something that would be needed in Greensburg we, or something that we felt would be um, an asset. And, you know, if we had gone down and found that, you know, the groups down there were doing amazing jobs and, like, everything was being, like, taken care of and we really thought that, like, things were being taken care of in a in a healthy way, then we would have just hooked up with those groups. But on, on going down, people found um, a lot a lot of disorganization and a lot of problems with the way the organizations that were already there were managing the situation. Um, so we felt the need to, to, uh, to go down, mostly as members of the community and, you know, with the backing of, of a collective. Um, it's where most of us do our organizing, so it's kind of it kind of organically came out of KMA, but it wasn't really KMA got together and was like, we should really do this thing. It was more like the members of KMA all independently were like, yeah, we really want to help in Greensburg. So. And is, does KMA have a history of helping out with this sort of disaster relief? This is our first time really going and working with specific disaster relief. Um, a lot of the members of the collective helped out with the cleanup from the microburst last year, last mm. March. And members of the collective um, or folks that were have close ties to in other cities have done a lot of work with Common Ground in New Orleans, which mm. is an anarchist collective that and, uh, started after Hurricane Katrina and is doing amazing work um, helping the residents of the Lower Ninth Ward. And upon arriving at Greensburg, what was the reception that KMA had with the authorities? With the authorities, um, yeah, because the reception from the folks in Greensburg and the reception from the authorities were, were, were drastically different. Um, w- on the trip that I went to last weekend, we had spent several hours working with AmeriCorps, an organization organizing volunteers in Greensburg, um, clearing rubble, working on this particular site at this house, um, and we were in the process of trying to formalize kind of our own involvement in the in the disaster relief with we wanted a place to store all of our tools and all of our because we, we we're pretty self-sufficient we can go down there and sustain ourselves and not need um the the tools or supplies from places like americorps or fema or the national guard um, we've got all those things based on volunteers and donations from here in lawrence um but we didn't want to cart them back every week when we went down there or like there are some folks who are willing to stay down there for long periods of time um, who would like a place to like kind of call like you know home down there, but like a base camp? Um, we were in the process of talking to um, the Cuyahoga County Disaster Relief Coordinators about setting that up um, when we were approached by members of several different police departments, um, but specifically the Olathe Police Department, um, 
and we were detained for, I don't know, 20 minutes, half hour. When we were first detained, we were told to, you know, take our hands out of our pockets, keep them where we could see them, and um, all our, had our IDs run, um, all of this in a pretty aggressive manner. Um, it, was, it was clear that this, this officer, Officer Ty Motor, M-O-E-D-E-R, <laughs> um, uh, from the Olathe Police Department. And, and yeah. I, I hate to interject, but, yeah. uh, and I'm sure you probably asked this and wondered this yourself, but what jurisdiction did an officer from Olathe have in Greensburg, Kansas? As far as I understand FEMA, and I'm not a lawyer, and it's incredibly confusing. Right. Um, as far as I understand FEMA, FEMA basically, there's you know, there's 10 Lawrence police officers in Greensburg right now. Mm-hmm. There are 10 Olathe police officers. There are 10 Dickinson County sheriffs. They're, you know, they're, they're, they take a little bit of... Um, of of other police departments um, in order not to put a huge drain on the resources of that one town is the idea. Right. Um, but basically there are police from all over Kansas um, in Greensburg right now. And as far as FEMA goes, when a national disaster area is declared, FEMA has control and there is no, there is no judicial process really. They get to make the rules and they get to, mm-hmm. they get to govern it. That's, that's what they mean by managing an emergency situation is they're, they, it's it's almost like martial law, but it's not it's not technically martial law. Right. That's that's a whole different ballgame. Right. Right. Um, but it, I mean, it has a lot of the same characteristics. Um, but you were being uh, specifically harangued by an Olathe police we officer. Were, yeah, we were stopped by the Olathe police officer. And what was his uh, justification for this? He said he needed to um, verify whether we were with the anarchists or not. Um, and when we heard that, we we're all kind of like, "Wow, that's intense." Um, word spreads fast. Word spreads fast. Um, it became apparent, actually, when he questioning moved to, you know, how did you get in here? Did you guys hike in? Like, how did you get in here? And we were like, we drove our car through the checkpoint in the morning because the city is under. Yeah. Um, you can't, there are checkpoints to get in and out, and um, you can't be in the city after. There's a curfew. There's a curfew. Yeah. Um, it includes residents, yeah. um, except unless you're National Guard or FEMA. Right. Um, you can stay as long as you want. Um, but he was really confused about how we'd actually gotten into the city because um, apparently there had been some sort of surveillance of us in the past where there were pictures, I do believe, circulating of members of our group, our group, I don't really know, he wasn't giving us specifics, um, that were passed out to all the checkpoints and we were not supposed to be allowed to get through the gates. And when we told him that we you know, went to the checkpoint and said we're working for AmeriCorps, which we were, yeah. um, and they let us in, he was, he was exceptionally confused how we managed to you know, sneakily get past his security. <laughs> Um, so it became apparent that we were never supposed to enter the city um, at all, even though we were coming in as legitimate relief workers. Were you specifically on a watch list, or did they, or was this just after the fact that they found out you were with an anarchist collective? I have that no idea. Honestly, um, KMA has been an organization that's been around for a bunch of years and has never really been quiet about, like, especially after Katrina, we were pretty vocal about how we thought FEMA screwed up the situation and FEMA mm-hmm. hurt a lot of people and how the National Guard, you know, um, did a lot of really awful things in New Orleans, and like maybe that's you know why uh, why we were put on some sort of list. If there is a list, it's so hard to understand yeah. exactly why this came about. But it seems odd because you were, from what I read, uh, you were allowed in. You did check in. Yeah. You signed up to to enter, and they did uh, provide you with glow in the dark wristbands. If I remember yeah, we cor- correctly, the- that it signified you were a volunteer. And yeah, we you- went to the AmeriCorps tent. One of the reasons we wanted to go work with AmeriCorps in the beginning was. The city gets federal funding for all the volunteer hours that people log, and so we want to, we want to log our hours. We want to make sure that they, you know, the city was going to get the money for um, that it, it needs, like desperately needs to to rebuild itself. Um, we weren't allowed to log out by the cops. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they they made us they made us leave the city. Um, but yeah, we were detained for quite a while. Um, they pulled one member of our group out and questioned him individually. Um, uh, there was members of the Kansas Bureau of Investigation there, um, which I don't know a lot of people don't know about, but uh, is, is like kind of like a local chapter of the FBI ish. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how they manage how they work. Um, it seemed like officers were taking their orders from the officer in the KBI. I could be wrong, but that's what it, that's what the situation seemed like. Right. Um, I really have, yeah, very little. So how long were you guys actually in Greensboro before you got kicked out? We were about four, four and a half hours. Really? Yeah. Not very we long. came in as soon as the checkpoint opened up in the morning at eight. Um, we had stayed in a city, you know, a couple hours out um, and got up and, you know, came in at eight o'clock in the morning and had worked with AmeriCorps all morning mm-hmm. and had talked to the Mennonites, which is who we'd been in contact with for the weeks before that. Um, we wanted to work specifically with the Mennonites because they've got, we feel that unlike AmeriCorps, they've got a, a, a stake in the local um, in local community. They were a part of the community before mm-hmm. the disaster. Their congregation is a part of the community. Um, and they're also like supportive of a lot of the work that we do in general. They're supportive, you know, anti-war folks they're right. just like they're they're a great they're a great congregation so strange bedfellows on the surface strange, strange <laughs> anarchist bedfellows. collective and yeah. mennonite basically amish folks yeah. <laughs> coming together for a common yeah. good so you're only there for four hours before you got ejected mm-hmm. uh in that time did you have many encounters with actual citizenry of greensburg were you able to talk with anyone who lived there or whose homes were destroyed a couple of folks but i think the, the thing that struck me the most because i hadn't been there before was the lack of residents in the city yeah. um it was really obvious that most folks had not come back to their homes um after the disaster and that was one of the major questions that was going through my mind um as we were in greensburg was you know why aren't people coming back to their homes um, we talked with a few residents. Um, one person was willing to let us use his land um, to set up, a, 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 you know, an area for base camp. And, like, we're not going that route, obviously, anymore. But um, we talked to uh, folks, and we talked to the Mennonites who, you know, were, were their congregation was inside the city. So their church is now a trailer. Um, mm. And, like, they're all, they were all residents, and they were all really supportive of us coming down and were excited to, to meet us after having talked on the phone all week and... There weren't any people walking around, and most of the volunteers and most of the work being done was done by volunteers from outside the city. Because mm. there has been a, a large, you know, amount of volunteers, and I don't know if it's a large amount, but there's been a good amount of volunteers kind of streaming into the city slowly. Mm. Sort of switching gears a little bit, but uh, in regards to your larger mission, KMA's larger sort of uh, manifesto or goals, um, you seem to be specifically interested in issues of the incarcerated and prisoners that were in Greensburg, from what I've read. Why were you so concerned about this, and how did it fit into your larger aim as an organization? Well, I think one of the things that struck us um, was after, in similar situations, and this parallels a lot with, with Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans, um, after Hurricane Katrina, it was it was brought to the media's attention and to the world's attention that you know, hundreds of prisoners were still missing and are still missing at this moment. Um, some were left to die in their jail cells. Jails, you know, flooded with people locked inside cells. Um, people were transferred all over the state and no one knows where they are. There's still hundreds of, of, of people who happen to be incarcerated, mostly on small charges, people who got busted for, you know, drinking the night before, stuff like that, people who have never been charged or people who have been legally released um, but are somewhere lost inside the system, and their families are are trying to find them, and there's organizations in New Orleans trying to find them. And that was one of the questions we had when we got to Greensburg was, who's been arrested and where are they? Um, and that was not easily and still has not been answered. There have been 
a couple of individuals who have been arrested um, inside Greensburg, and nobody could really tell us where they were since the jail had been damaged. Um, and since FEMA had taken over, the, the way the law works is, is a little different. And it was important to us for FEMA and other folks to know that they can't um, ignore those people without, without us raising our voices, being like, hey, they can't really speak for themselves, so we're going we're gonna to try and advocate that you not lose them within the system. It seems to be a concern just in general, not specifically about Greensburg, but uh, about jails and incarceration. And Talk a little bit about what that concern is and what sort of the uh, larger aim is uh, for the anarchist movement uh, at large. Well, okay, I'm going to try and talk <laughs> yeah. a little bit. I want to speak for every anarchist. <laughs> Go right ahead. Um, well, a, a lot of what KMA does is, is based around prisoners' rights, and um, I think something that we talk a lot about and something that we, we, we organize around a lot is um, the uh, the prison industrial complex, which is yeah. this idea of, you know, um, prisons are not a form of crime prevention. This has been proven. They're not a form of um, community policing. Like, there's no, it's not, there's no accountability process. There's no real, there's no real crime stoppage or crime prevention inside prisons. Prisons are an industry and prisons are a business. Um, and they're treated as such, especially with the privatization of prisons. Um, and this is something that, that comes out with um, more and more. Um, and it's something that we try and work against is this, is this idea of, of incarcerating disproportionately large numbers of people of color and poor people um, in an effort to create a cheap workforce, mm. which is what we see is happening. Um, and then also prisons are a, a tool of social control. Um, you imprison the people who are most downtrodden in an effort to make sure that they are never going to try and empower themselves and take any of that power away from the elite and give it back to themselves. Um, so we see prisons in this kind of broader sense of being um, something that communities don't need, um, particularly to keep themselves safe, and that is really just a tool of um, the government and the upper classes um, to, to to tie and keep uh, a tight rein on, on, on the... The, the less fortunate in this mm-hmm. country and all over the world. I think you did Anarchist Proud with it. <laughs> um, that was very succinct. Um, and you did mention this, but there was that case of the seven people who were arrested for looting uh, in Greensburg. Uh, many of them were reservists uh, from Fort Riley, I believe, uh, military service members. And there are also, I believe, there was an under, not an undercover, but an off-duty police off-duty officer police. and then two people posing as Red Cross. I, in reading some of your material, it, it seemed that you almost had sympathy for the looters, specifically the military members. Uh, not you personally, but from what I've read from your organization. Do you actually condone that sort of behavior? Well, I think it's important to remember about who's making the labels um, when it comes down to things like like looting, very specifically. Um, I think we've seen in the media in the past... Um, that uh, um, you know, black folks in New Orleans loot, and white folks find food. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is something that's like perpetuating itself over and over and over again. Um, so really, I don't necessarily believe that what they were doing was looting because I have no way of knowing, and I'm not going to trust the, the I'm not going to trust the law enforcement and the media that's coming out of Greensburg at the moment, since it is a very very controlled environment. Um, as far as condoning those kind of actions, and I think. When we talk about the fact that a lot of these folks had just gotten gotten back from Iraq, and they were they were, um, as, as far as my understanding goes, I could be wrong about mm-hmm. that one. But like this whole idea of like members of the of the military, um, there's uh, I think it ties into our larger message of like one of the reasons we're so anti-war 
um, and not just anti-Iraq war, but anti-war in general, is the idea that um, war is incredibly unhealthy for human beings um, and creates unhealthy situations. And one of the things we talk a lot about is, you know, service members coming back and, you know, domestic violence is extremely intense with, you know, people who come back from Iraq or come back from wherever. Suicide is really high. Crime, like technical crimes, are incredibly high, and that this is something that we need to recognize. It's not just like a bunch of guys going out and looting. Like this is a systemic problem with the way we treat people in the military and the way the military is designed to like break human beings. Um, I think that's kind of what the message we were trying to get across is. I don't necessarily condone or not condone certain behaviors. Um, It's really hard to really. to try and, you know, say, like, whether this person did the right thing or this person didn't do the right thing, since the information coming out of Greensburg is kind of is kind of clouded and kind yeah. of... I don't really know what happened. Um, if people are taking food to survive, if people are taking... Even if people are taking, you know, goods they don't necessarily need but are feel like they're in an emotional state where they need those things, it's really not my place as a person with a house and a bed right. to, you know, condone or not condone. And I understand where yeah, you're coming yeah. from, but I, I will say from... All of the reports that I've heard, these are people just opportunistically stealing cigarettes and alcohol from yeah. blown down Dylans. So, um, and I, I don't, I don't know if you want to go out on a limb for these particular individuals. And even when it comes down to that, I think when it comes down to antisocial behavior, and this is something that we talk a lot about as well as far as like prisons go, and this ties it all together a little bit. When it comes to antisocial behavior, whether or not those individuals took food. On, on, you know, without without the right, it's not the state's responsibility or the state's right to, um, and I mean the state as in like a bigger governmental mm-hmm. agency, not like Kansas. <laughs> um, it's not the state or the state entity's right to decide whether that's okay or not. It's it's the right of the community that they harmed, mm-hmm. um, if in fact that was a harm to the community. So it really doesn't make any sense for the state to lock up these guys unless like that was what the community needed at the time to be safe. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the community. Try to describe as best you can the level of destruction that you saw in Greensburg. Um, I've never personally been in a situation where I've seen that intense destruction um, over such a large area. Um, there's nothing left. There are a few standing stone structures, but besides that, um, I think the percentage is like 97% of the, of the structures in the, in the town were, were destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they weren't destroyed completely, they're going to be torn down because they're unlivable or uninha- uninhabitable. The most you'll see of most people's homes is a, a cement basement, um, now full of water after all the rain we've been getting. Um, there's just piles of rubble. Um, there's dead animals. Um, there's no more street signs. They're all spray-painted wood tacked onto, onto posts. Um, there are trees with no bark because the, the tornado ripped all the bark off and wrapped, you know, pieces of metal around them. Um, there's, like, kids' toys scattered everywhere and, like, people's clothes, and you can see into people's homes. Like, they're still full of food, and they're, they're, their belongings are strewn across the entire town. It's a very small town also, to put it in perspective. Like, you could walk across it in a few minutes. Um, it, was, it was a very small town to begin with, a very poor small town to begin with. Um, so the very few belongings that, that these folks had, it seems, are now pretty much completely gone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've never seen, like, that, that intense level of destruction. Um, I've had friends. I had, I had a friend who, uh, who actually did a bunch of um, correspondence, like media and um, aid work in um, Iraq during, during the occupation in the last couple of years. And he said the only thing that came, that came close was seeing Fallujah. Mm. And that, that was the comparison he made. So both disasters each of a different kind yep 
going back to your interaction with the, the limited interaction that you had with the citizens of Greensburg, how did, <laughs> and you say you have, you're on uh, good terms with the Mennonite community there, but um, how did the rest of the community sort of react to you guys as anarchists from Lawrence coming down, or did you even get a chance to get their perspective on that? <clears throat> I mean, I think people were more interested in being like, oh, you're a body that can help us like move this stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure, let's do it. Um, uh, I don't think anyone that went down, you know, we look like we're just all kind of, you know, mid-20s age kids. We didn't seem to, like, stand out particularly. I mean, most of the AmeriCorps volunteers have dreads and, you know, dyed hair. Um, so it wasn't, I don't think... So you're actually were, the button-down conservative ones compared we, to the AmeriCorps. <laughs> honestly, a little bit. Um, we looked a little more straight-laced than usual. And we also came down, like, pretty fully stocked. We had our own respirators and work gloves and food and water and things. And I think that was, was something, like, that um, kind of showed that we weren't just, like, coming down to, like, vacation and, like, do our little thing in Greensburg. But, like, we came down, like, to, like with with an understanding that we need to, like, take care of ourselves because this community doesn't need to take care of us. But, no, yeah, I mean, it never really even got to that point. Really, no one's – I don't think anyone in the town is really worried about who's coming in and coming out. I think they're, like – they're working off the fact that they don't have homes anymore. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there. In your time there and maybe in some of the correspondence that you've had since, do you get the impression that the people of Greensburg feel that they're getting the help they need from state and federal government? It's really hard to say. Mm. It's really hard to say. Um, I know that there were some problems being addressed. There were some problems that were not being addressed. I think, like I mentioned before, the fact that, like, residents need to come back to their homes to gather their belongings um, uh, before anything can be done, really. The National Guard and no one's going into people's homes. um, So people's stuff is just kind of getting, like, destroyed Mm. um, as the weather goes on. Um, So it seems like there hasn't been much of a... Of a, of a push to really get people back into Greensburg because people are now pretty spread out across the country. Um, and a lot changes over, over a week, and it's been a week. So, like, this is, this is my impression also a week ago. Um, and so that could have changed at this point. But from, from my correspondence, it seems like there still is a lot of work to be done um, and a lot of work to be done in the future when all of these agencies leave also. I think that's something that isn't being addressed a lot is that, you know, FEMA and the Red Cross, specifically the Red Cross, is going, are they going to leave pretty eventually, um, much before any kind of rebuilding process has begun. Um, AmeriCorps will, will, will move its efforts elsewhere. Um, these, these groups are not, are not here to help build or help work with community. They're here to, to be you know, relief agencies and then do their thing and then leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that we really want to be a part of is helping folks build for the next however many years. You know, we don't plan on going anywhere, so why should our relief stop? Right. And uh, I'll ask your personal opinion. I'll kind of flip it around. Do you, <laughs> do you think that FEMA or the National Guard or the state and federal responders have done anything right? Um, anything. Let's see. <laughs> they had Pop-Tarts. Those were cool. Hey, there you go. Yeah, that's one thing. Um, snacks all around. Yeah, they had some snacks. Um, okay, as far as a lot of the individuals on the ground, and because when, when I speak about like specifically AmeriCorps, AmeriCorps um, as an organization was not something that I felt very great about. But as individuals, the people who are like the people who are working for AmeriCorps on the ground in Greensburg are amazing. Like honestly, like they're they're amazing people doing amazing work. Um, it's just that they're kind of I feel stuck in this like situation where. Um, they're organizing under a model that doesn't really work for what they're trying to do. They're organizing from a very top-down model, which isn't allowing information to flow the way it needs to. Um, so I think really the people 
who are organizing in AmeriCorps and who are who are like you know helping every day and being there all the time are doing great amazing work but they, I feel like they're stuck in this in this kind of cycle of like trying to do really good stuff but like inhibited by the fact that they're working mm-hmm. for an organization that that is organizing that way um, as far as uh, FEMA and all those folks I feel like they're doing what they said they'd do they're going down to secure the area they're going down to create you know police order um and that's the one thing you did find there was an extreme extreme police presence um they're doing things such as you know going through houses and, and like marking on houses what firearms they find when they clear houses when they go in looking for bodies and looking for survivors this is one of the original things like you know a house across the street from the site we were working on had big spray-painted letters that had all the information about, you know, which agencies had been through there to, to clear the house. And then it said, you know, found one shotgun, sawed off. Like, they're, they're cataloging and, and marking who had illegal weapons. Um, and uh, they're patrolling the streets and making sure the curfew. So um, if their job is to create... I wish I could do quotes over the internet. If their job <laughs> is to create a police state, which is a word thrown around a lot and um, is not quite the aspect that we're seeing because that's a little more intense. But if their job is to create a heavily militarized area, they're doing a good job. Mm. Does that help the people of Greensburg? I don't think so. Um, but, yeah. So So you think mostly that the, the problem is, is that there are people with good intentions there, but they're kind of trapped in a bureaucratic uh, top-down system. There's a lot system. of red tape. Yeah. And I feel like one of the things that could be helping is is more open dialogue with the people of Greensburg. You can never have too much of that, I think. Uh, <clears throat> more dialogue with the folks who are trying to rebuild their lives because um, they're going to know exactly what needs to be done. Um, and they're going to know exactly... One of the... Okay, the best example I had was when I was talking to um, a member of the Kiowa County Relief Department. The, it was the Kiowa County Command Center... Um, for t- disaster relief, some acronym I can't remember now. Um, but we were talking, and he, I was talking about how we had been volunteering with AmeriCorps, and his little badge said logistics supervisor um, and logist- or logistics support. And uh, I said, we're, we're volunteering with AmeriCorps. And he said, who's AmeriCorps? And I was, I was are you serious? Like, this is, this, you're, you're coordinating the relief, and you have no idea who the group who's organizing all the volunteers are and he had mentioned he like this was his second day in town and you know he didn't know anything and I was like I've been here for four hours and I know who AmeriCorps is Mm -hmm. like how could you not know that there's this incredible lack of information that going around um just because it doesn't need to like in the way that they organize um so things are getting left out and people are getting left out um is creating a huge problem there and I feel like more transparent more egalitarian forms of organizing would um would benefit everyone involved or you guys hope to fill that void? What is the next step for KMA? Um, KMA is going to be working in the areas surrounding Greensburg. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but after, like, because of the well, when we were detained, we were um, told that if we tried to re-enter the city as individuals, we'd be arrested on site. Um, so we are now technically banned from the city of Greensburg, um, not because of anything we've done, but because of our political feelings and our political leanings. So since we're not allowed back in the city, we're going to be working in the farms that got devastated around the city. Um, the tornado did not just, you know, drop into Greensburg and then disappear again. Right. It cut a swath, you know, over a mile wide across the area, across the county. So um, there's a lot of farms that have, you know, heavy machinery that got thrown across the fields and just, like, lots of people who are devastated outside of the Greensburg itself. So that's what we plan to be doing. Um, 
And we are taking volunteers down. We're um, we're leaving soon, actually, and taking vol- taking you know a large amount of volunteers down with tools and supplies and food and everything, um, and actually taking taking leadership from AmeriCorps at the moment, um, and and they're putting us in contact with farmers in the area who need the most help. Well, I think that about covers right. it. Thank you. Uh, Jordan Ferran-Sapsis, collective <laughs> member of Kansas Mutual Aid, uh, Anarchist Collective here in Lawrence. Thank you very much for joining us here at lawrence.com. Oh, thank you, too.